Good morning. I was trying to get Hunter to come on up here and give a word, but he wouldn't do it. He's going to run Facebook up there. Appreciate that, Hunter. Thank you. All right. I thought I could buy myself about 10 minutes, but it didn't work. <laughs> All right. Let's get started this morning. Mr. Durrell, you lead us in prayer. Amen. All right. Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3. Y'all mess me up. Y'all in a new spot? Okay, all right. Well, because of Brother Kevin's poor behavior or hers? I was looking for you. I was looking for you, and I noticed a white blob over here that I ain't seen before. No offense. I didn't, no, I didn't mean that. that I just meant out of the peripheral vision, I just saw white. I shouldn't have said blob. My bad, Brother Ronnie. Man. Man, we've been talking about Peter with a foot-shaped mouth all this time. All right. <laughs> Every man has a foot-shaped mouth. And some, some women. Yeah, I love you too, brother. I'm glad you do. All right. Mark chapter 3. Let's read this here. We'll read Mark 3 and then a little bit out of Mark 1 and get started. Mark 3, verse 13. And he being Jesus, goeth up into a mountain, and calleth unto him whom he would. And they came unto him, and if you remember, we had a little more, these, these gospel accounts, they, they amaze me. Especially in the gospels where you have these same accounts a lot of times. And you may not get all the detail out of Matthew's account, but you get a little more detail out of Mark's account. And you may get a little more detail out of John's account or something like that. If you remember, everything we read when we looked at Peter and Andrew, we had a little more detail. Jesus separated himself and prayed about who he would call unto him. Now, that's not here, but he did it because Matthew told us he did. So here it says, He goeth up into a mountain and calleth unto him whom he would, and they came unto him. And he ordained twelve that they should be with him, and that he might send them forth to preach. And to have power to heal sickness and to cast out devils. I wonder what they thought about that. And this kind of goes along with what I say. And we all do it. I've done it with this. Just read right through it. But what do you think those apostles thought? When Jesus told him. I mean, he had to tell them. I'm going to send you out. I want you to do these things. And I'm going to give you power to heal people. I'm going to give you power to cast out demons. What do you think they thought about that? Yeah. <laughs> I've been like, me? You sure? You sure? You didn't mean that one? Yeah, that's one. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, realize they didn't have this power before he did this. And I'm, it's, it's up in the air whether they had it after. We know they did some things in the beginning of the church and things like that, so we won't get off on all that. But they definitely did it here. He sends them out. 
they're going to build the church. They've got these, they, they can do these things. So I just find it interesting that, you know, what, what did they think about this? And Simon, verse 16, he's surnamed Peter. And James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, and he surnamed them Boanerges, which is the sons of thunder. And Andrew, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, and Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, which also betrayed him, and they went into an house. All right, now look at Mark chapter 1. And we're talking about James. We've talked about Peter. We've talked about Andrew. We've talked some about James. And Mr. Darrell, you're right. It seems like it's been forever since we've been here. Mark chapter 1, verse 16. Now, as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little farther thence, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the ship mending their nets, and straightway he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the ship with the hired servants and went after him. So James, James, we talked about different Jameses. Sometimes you have to be clear. You start talking about James, you start talking about people like Simon, you start talking about people like John. You have to be clear and careful because if you don't, you'll get them mixed up. Now, we already said James is not the James of the New Testament as far as the epistle of James. This James, the apostle, did not write that. That was a different James. And there are some other things. But who remembers what we talked about last time? Anybody? I just said it had been, been like it was forever. We were talking about, we had got to talking about his zeal and his passion being evident. And there were two times, and we only started talking about one of them, where I think his zeal and his brother's zeal actually got the best of them. Anybody remember the one we were talking about? I mean, you mean look over here at the associate pastor? <laughs> That's okay. It's been, it's been forever. Yeah. See, now he's quiet, but after Sunday school, he lets me know he knows the answer to all my questions. He just stays quiet because he, you know, don't, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right. I appreciate that. Anybody remember? Mm-hmm. There was a certain account that we, we just started talking about where their zeal got the best of them. Okay, we ain't talked about that one yet. No, <laughs> that's coming up. It's where they got their name, their nickname. Bo- they, I knew it. I knew it's the Boanerges. That's what we were talking about. They wanted to call down fire. So let's look at that real quick. We had just started looking at it, um, and I believe it's in Luke nine. Let me scan it real quick. Yeah, Luke nine verse fifty one. And we'll get back on this. Although I do want to talk about this in pretty good detail. There's a lot of people that think they understand this and they really don't. 
and I was one of them for a long time. Um, not that, I mean, it's not a matter of doctrine or anything like that, but just this account. So Luke nine fifty one, and it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up. What does that mean? Who is he? Jesus. Okay, what does that mean? The time had come that he was to be received up. It's time, it's time for him to die. Okay. He steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. That's very important here. And sent messengers before his face. And they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. And they did not receive him. Because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them even as Elias did? But he turned and rebuked them. Now, there's a lot of times that um, I'll say characters, it's people, but characters in the Bible will do or say something, and I'm like, I don't know about that. But Jesus doesn't rebuke them. But he rebukes this. But he turned, in verse 55, and rebuked them and said, Ye know not what manner of spirit ye are of. For the Son of Man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. So we were talking about the Samaritans. That's what we were talking about last time. I'm not going to go back through all that because we talked about it for about 15 or 20 minutes. But the Samaritans were a Mongol group. It's just a quick review. Assyria conquered Israel, took out all the good people, took them to Assyria, took all the lousy people, put them in Israel. They mixed together. Pagan worship. And so true Jews saw this mixed race of people, half Jew, half Gentile, as mongrels. But not only the race, but their religion. That was a big thing. We talked about it, and we got we kind of got into it a little bit. And so we'll just kind of pick up there. In Samaria, their main place of worship was a place called Mount Gerizim. That's where they worshipped. That's where they were to worship. And that's the only place that they were to worship. The Samaritans were. Now, let me ask this question. What if they wanted to go to Jerusalem to worship? What would happen? That, that's okay? They just mosey on up to the synagogue and worship? Why? They weren't allowed. The rift was so deep between Jews and Samaritans that they didn't have anything to do with each other. We know that. But even if the Samaritans had wanted to go to Jerusalem and worship, they were not allowed to do so because of how the Jews looked at them. So when you see the woman at the well, she was a woman, when Jesus confronted her, that what, what was she supposed to do? She's a Samaritan. She had a past. 
Jesus brought that out. Can't get away from your past. But Jesus can save you from it. Jesus brought that out. But what was she supposed to do? Even if she wanted to go to Jerusalem and worship, she wouldn't be allowed to. What kind of choice did she have? She had no hope. None. Until she met Jesus. Now, we need to be very careful that we don't do the same thing. We pray for people to come in here. We pray for people to get saved. And then somebody comes in here that we know, and we know the life that they're living, or we know the past that they had. And we say, what are they doing here? You already had the wrong attitude. Already. So let's be careful about that. Now, that don't mean that we allow any and everything. No, we have to stick to what this word says and hold that true. But we don't know what Jesus and, and is doing in somebody else's life. So these Samaritans, there was a deep rift between the Samaritans and the, and the Jews. And in John four nineteen and 20, don't, don't worry about turning there, I'll read it to you. When Jesus met that woman at the well, the woman saith unto him, in verse 19, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain. Now that mountain she's talking about is Mount Gerizim. And then she says, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. So there was a, yes, they considered them unclean and mongrel because of their mixed race, Jew, Gentile, but more so because of the religion. We talked about that religion before. It was pagan, very pagan. They, they said they worshiped God, but they didn't worship God. Um, it was very pagan. So there's a, there's a strong sh delineation between the worship of the Samaritans and the worship of the Jews, which is crazy to me when you think about all those, all of them used to be under one umbrella. What happened? Does anybody know? Well, make a very long story short and you can go read Kings and Chronicles but David united the kingdoms but when David died Solomon came up and when Solomon died his son Rehoboam came up and the kingdom split because Rehoboam was a fool and he didn't take counsel from the godly men he took counsel from the younger men that's what the Bible says in his court who gave him bad counsel and so you had a split now you got Israel, 10 tribes, Judah, 2 tribes. And when you go look at those kings in Israel, there is not one godly king that comes to the throne in Israel. Not one. Now there is in Judah. There's bad and good. But you see some in Judah, Josiah and some people like that. Not in Israel. Now Israel, that part is where Samaria is. And so things happened, we'll probably read about it, so I better stop talking about it, that developed a pagan worship of Baal in the main epicenter of Israel, which was Samaria. Anybody know Ahab? Do you know where he reigned? 
Samaria. He also built, uh, the Bible calls it an ivory palace or temple. I can't, we're going to read it. To worship Baal, guess where that was? Samaria. And so there was a, there was a, there was a strong, uh, I almost said shift. That's not the word I was looking for. There's a strong schism between the worship of these two. And so Jesus comes and he wants a place for him and his, his um, disciples to stay on their way to Jerusalem. Now, we talked before, the easiest way from where he was to Jerusalem was through Samaria. But all the people that made that trek didn't go through Samaria. They went around it. Jesus said, I'm going through it. Now, he had somebody to see there. But he goes and he sends these people, we read it, you know, to prepare them a place and the Samaritans turn them down. Now, did Jesus not know that they were going to reject him? <laughs> so why did he send them in the first place? Anybody? It's a hard question and not one I have an answer to, by the way. Y'all forgot this is an interactive class? <laughs> Why would he send them? He knew they were going to reject him. Why send them at all? For what? He gave them an opportunity. Now they're responsible for this. But not only that, what, do you th- what else do you think? goes along with what we're about to talk about I think this is opinion of course there's a lesson coming for all of them but especially for James and John right here and these boys need this lesson now when you read the book of John and we call him the disciple of love and the apostle who Jesus loved and all that's true but he was a firecracker (laughs) It wasn't just James that said, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven and kill every one of them? It was John too. Does that sound like the apostle of love? <laughs> so this delineation here between the two, I think he sent them for, the, for this lesson. And, and it places responsibility. If the Lord has dealt with your heart about being saved, you are responsible. You can't get away from that anymore. Now you're responsible. What are you going to do with it? Um, but that's what, the, that's what was going on in this area. And it's still going on today. And, you know, they, they talk about um, peace in the Middle East. It's not going to happen. These people have been, I'm, I'm sorry, but they've been cutting each other's heads off for centuries. There will be no peace there until Jesus comes. Well, there'll be a false peace. There'll be no real peace there until Jesus comes back. None. Um, But the Samaritans not only hated the Jews, but the Jews hated the Samaritans. And so Jesus sent his disciples to make a place, and the Samaritans said, absolutely not. Get out of here. Why do you think they did that, though? Just because they hated the Jews? Is that good enough? 
probably. I don't think that's the only reason, though. I think it, it goes along with what we saw here in verse 51 um, and 53. I mean, we're, we're told why in this instance. 51, the end of the verse says, He steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. 53, we're told. And they did not receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. What difference does that make? They rejected him because they knew he was headed to Jerusalem. If he had been headed somewhere else, maybe they would have let him stay. I don't know. We don't know. But he was going to Jerusalem, and they knew it. And they said, because he's going to Jerusalem, we're going to reject him. Why? There we go. Okay, that's what I was waiting on. Not only the race, the religion. When he was going to Jerusalem at this time, they knew full well he was going to celebrate Passover to do his worship. And they didn't believe in that worship. They believed all worship should be done here in Mount Gerizim. So because his face was set that he was going to go to Jerusalem, they rejected him. Not just because he was Jesus, not just because he was a Jew. I'm sure that had something to do with it. But verse 53 says it was because his face was set that he was going to go to Jerusalem. Because he was going to worship, celebrate Passover, and things like that. So they said, we're not going to help this. We're not going to further this. I think it was deeper. That's, yeah, that's the point I've been trying to make the last two times I'm up here. Because when we think about it, when we hear it preached, and that's fine. But when we think about it, we think about they only hated them because they were half Jew, half Gentile. That's not true. They hated each other because they considered each other's religions false worship. So there was a rift <laughs> between the two. Although, um, and I mean, you would expect nothing less, but Jesus never did anything but show goodwill toward the Samaritans. All right, back to interactive. Does anybody know an example of that? <laughs> Who could tell me an example? When Jesus showed favor to Samaritans. One of his most famous parables, we call it what? The parable of the Good Samaritan. When he's teaching us how to love our neighbor, he, a Jew, uses the example of a Samaritan. Okay, what else? Anybody? Some of the others are kind of hard. So the Samaritan woman at the well, yeah, we just talked about that. The Samaritan woman at the well, he didn't have to go to that well. But we're told before that he must needs go through Samaria. And that's at least one reason he, he went through there, to introduce that woman to himself. And then later he stayed with her and evangelized her neighbors. 
in Samaria. What do you think his apostles were thinking about this? Exactly. And we don't know a lot of times. God says, take this step. No, I don't see how that can help anything, Lord. <laughs> Matter of fact, it's going to get me made fun of or thrown out of somebody's house, so I just better not do it. But we don't know a lot of times. Um, that's the kind of, I mean, I'm, it's a little odd, but that's the kind of stuff I like to think about. This kind of stuff. What did these guys think? They hated them. I, I can't, I don't know how we can, it, and I say this a lot because it's true. A lot of this stuff we can't relate to. <laughs> we do, you just don't understand how it is over there. And I don't fully either. The hatred between these two groups of people. I mean, they wouldn't pour a glass of water on them if they were on fire. Honestly true. The hatred between these two people. And Jesus is evangelizing them. What are his apostles doing? <laughs> Some of them looking to go back. <laughs> we don't know. Maybe so. There's a lot of these side conversations I think we don't have. We don't need them, or we would have them in the Bible. But maybe. But I think it's an amazing thing. But you, we can't even, I can tell it's, I'm not getting through now. It's, we just don't understand it. We can't relate the deep hatred between these two and how Jesus evangelizing this group. And I don't know what he told them. But basically telling them that they've got the same things coming that this group does, that's a big problem for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, that's something. Um, there was another time. Do you remember the, uh, the ten lepers Jesus healed and only one turned back to thank him? Those were Samaritans. Samaritans. And then, uh, it's one of Ava Grace's Bible verses she's learning for Bible drill. Acts 1.8, when Jesus tells them, you're going to receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost will come upon you. You're going to be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, no problem. <laughs> Judea, no problem. And in Samaria. Hmm. And into the othermost parts of the earth. So there was a deep rift here. So... And thus, um, James and John thought it fitting when these Samaritans wouldn't accept Jesus to just want to annihilate them. Lord, uh, where is it at? Wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them even as Elias did?
Who is Elias? This is an Old Testament prophet, but I don't recognize that name. It's Elijah. Elijah. Now, there's another one. Elijah and Elisha. There's a lot of similarities there. Elijah, Elisha. Be careful <laughs> there, especially if you're talking to somebody. Um, Elijah. So basically they say, they're saying, Lord, let us call fire down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did. Now, what are they talking about? Okay. Now, thank you all for, for, for speaking up. This right here is where I said, even myself, I was wrong. Every time I read this verse, I'm thinking Mount Carmel. Mount Carmel. Mount Carmel. You remember Mount Carmel? There was a showdown. Uh, in fact, I heard somebody preach one time. His title was Showdown on Mount Carmel. God versus Baal. Elijah said, I don't remember all the specifics, but Elijah told those prophets of Baal, get all your stuff, build your altar, call down fire. After you're done, I'll do the same. Whichever God answers with fire, let that be the God. And, of course, the prophets of Baal, they built it. They danced around hours. I don't remember how long. I can't remember. A lot of hours. Danced around. Elijah makes fun of them. <laughs> and, of course, there's no fire. And so Elijah builds his altar. And not only that, he pours water all over it. And prays to the Lord, and immediately fire comes down and consumes that sacrifice. And licks up all the water out of it I don't even think there's mud left licked it all up he was God that's not what he's talking about here this is a much lesser known account I'm just curious if anybody knows what it is I looked at three people and as soon as I made eye contact they looked away <laughs> it's okay Very good. Very good. Let me see where I want to go to. Second Kings chapter one. Second Kings chapter one. Now, again, remember Samaria, one of the most important cities in the northern kingdom of those ten tribes of Israel. It's where Ahab reigned from. If you go read back in Kings when it says so-and-so reigned so many years and did this and then he died, it says Ahab reigned in, in Samaria. But um, there in First Kings 16, you can go look later at what he did. He built this ivory palace that is referred to much later as a center of Baal worship. And it's also where, in that place, where if you remember... And you probably don't, and it's okay. That his son, when Ahab died, his son, um, I want to make sure I get this right because there are several that are close. Ahaziah was going to take the throne, and he fell through what we're told is lattice and got seriously injured, mortally wounded. 
And let's look here at this. So 2 Kings chapter 1, verse 1. Now this is after Ahab has died. Then Moab rebelled against Israel after the death of Ahab. And Ahaziah fell down through a lattice in his upper chamber that was in Samaria and was sick. And he sent messengers and said unto them, Go inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, whether I shall recover of this disease. Now what's wrong with that? This is the king of Israel telling his servants to go inquire of Beelzebub. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Witchcraft, sorcery. Who is Beelzebub? Anybody know? Anybody know who Beelzebub was? Look right there where we just read after the word Beelzebub. (laughs) The God of Ekron. Beelzebub. Now, when we think about him, what do you think about? Did anybody think of anything when I said Beelzebub? Satan. That's what you think about. Okay? That comes later. It started out as a God of the Philistines. Ekron, Philistia. Beelzebub was a god that they worshipped. They called him, referred to him as the Lord of the Flies. Anybody know why? I just hate to tell you everything <laughs> that I studied. I see, I'm always curious. Who knows what? It's okay if you don't. Lord of the Flies, the Philistia was covered. I mean, we're told it was just at times black with flies. Everywhere, swarms of flies everywhere. So they believed that the God of the flies resided in their land. I don't know all the details of this pagan mess. They just believed that the God of these flies lived in their land, and so they decided we're going to worship him. And so they built altars, and that's how Beelzebub started. Now, later on, the Jews who, I almost said worship Jehovah, but not completely, at times worship Jehovah, they think that's pagan mess. And so they changed the name a little bit to Beelzebul, which means not the God of flies, but the God of dung. That's how bad they hated this, which I'm okay with that. And later on, that deity became so known for paganality and witchcraft and sorcery that it became a name for Satan himself, which is where at times in the New Testament and us today, now when you hear the word Beelzebub, you think Satan. That's where that came from. Um, and that's nothing new. If you go read the Bible, you'll see the king of Tyrus. Is referred, I mean, he's referred to as the king of Tyrus. Um, Satan is referred to as different things in the Bible, pictures um, of, of his character. So the king of Israel, I don't think I'm going to get through reading this. What time we get out? 10, 15? 
Okay. And Ahaziah fell down through a lattice in his upper chamber that was in Samaria and was sick, and he sent messengers and said unto them, Go inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, whether I shall recover of this disease. I don't even understand this. I, I just don't understand it. But, and I'm glad. But the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, Arise, go up to meet the messengers of the king of Samaria, and say unto them, Is it not because there is not a god in Israel that you go to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron? Now therefore, thus saith the Lord, Thou shalt, now this is to Ahaziah. Thou shalt not come down from that bed on which thou art gone up, but shalt surely die. And Elijah departed. And when the messengers turned back unto him, he said unto them, Why are ye now turned back? And they said unto him, There came a man. Now, it's a little confusing. The messenger, he went and delivered this message, and Ahaziah's messengers hear the message and go back to Ahaziah. And Ahaziah is saying, what, what are you doing back? Why are you now turned back? The end of verse 5. And in verse 6, these are the messengers telling King Ahaziah. And they said unto him, There came a man up to meet us and said unto us, Go, turn again unto the king that sent you, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Is it not because there is not a God in Israel that thou sendest to inquire of Beelzebub, the God of Ekron? Therefore thou shalt not come down from that bed on which thou art gone up, but shalt surely die. And he said unto them, What manner of man was he which came up to meet you and told you these words? And they answered him, He was an hairy man and girt with a girdle of leather about his loins. And he said, being Ahaziah, It is Elijah the Tishbite. Now how did he know? His mom and daddy, Ahab and Jezebel, had quite the relationship with this man. <laughs> he knew who he was. You can guarantee that Ahab and Jezebel, when they spewed the poison and talked about him, talked about Elijah, made fun of him, threatened him, that the little Ahaziah heard all that. Ding, ding, parents, be careful. Those little ears hear what you say. So when you go home and have the preacher for lunch or anybody else, they hear it. And they come up with an attitude toward that. So be careful about that. So he knew who he was. Then the king sent unto him, I don't know that I want to get into this. <laughs> um, let's read it. I just won't be able to comment on it till next time. Then the king sent unto him a captain of fifty with his fifty. And he went up to him, and behold, he sat on the top of an hill. And he spake unto him, Thou man of God, the king has said, Come down. And Elijah answered and said to the captain of fifty, If I be a man of God, then let fire come down from heaven and consume thee and thy fifty. And there came down fire from heaven and consumed him and his fifty. That word consume, it's not like when you see some of these war movies and a bomb goes off and you've got this guy running around with fire. That word consume means made ash. They were immediately made ash with this fire. 
Again, also he sent unto him another captain of fifty with his fifty. And he answered and said unto him, O man of God, thus hath the king said, Come down quickly. And Elijah answered and said unto them, If I be a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume thee and thy fifty. And the fire of God, notice, fire of God, came down from heaven and consumed him and his fifty. And he sent again a captain of the third fifty with his fifty. He's not getting the message here. Of course, these men are, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Expendable to the king. He, he don't care. And so he sends a third company. But this captain is a little, has a little more wisdom about him. And the third captain of fifty went up and came and fell on his knees before Elijah and besought him and said unto him, O man of God, I pray thee, let my life and the life of these fifty thy servants be precious in thy sight. Behold, there came fire now from heaven and burn up the two captains of the former fifties with their fifties. Therefore, let my life now be precious in thy sight. And the angel of the Lord said unto Elijah, Go down with him and be not afraid of him. And he arose and went down with him unto the king. All right, we'll finish up next time talking about this. But this is the instance that these guys are referring to. Years and years and years and years and years, I thought, Carmel. It's this. This is what's going on. Happening in the same area where they are and where they're about to pass through. All right. Johnny, you want to dismiss us?